In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Cleveland, it's draft week. Here it is, the most exciting time of the year. The time when all the guardrails and the RAS scores and the the Paul DePodestas of the world come out of the woodwork with their predictive draft boards. We should call it Brown's predictive draft boards. So let's see, that's Brown's PDB. So there we go. And who better to have on when it comes to predictive draft draft boards, the godfather of the RAS guardrails in terms of Twitter fandom, not Paul D. Podesta, who really invented the thing, but the guy who understood it best, Jack Duffin. Jack, it's draft week. Uh, this is the one that this is where I find out um, my summer bonus coming from uh, the sports gambling sites in the UK. Will it be delivered this year? It's, uh, it's tougher. I don't think it's going to be quite as juicy as it was last year but we're gonna have some fun nonetheless it's funny all of you in july put on your christmas music and you say you have these christmas in july well jack actually sits around in april listening to it's the most wonderful time of the year so that is jack's christmas in april but you know jack i just kind of want to get your take on this overall Brown's Twitter, you know, we're going to go off social media overall. And, you know, I will say this amongst just my text message chains with people, just conversations out when I'm out in public, the NFL draft doesn't quite have the buzz this year that it has in years past. Now, obviously last year, the draft was in Cleveland. So that made it a little bit more interesting, but the Browns also had a first round pick, but I've kind of noticed that the, the, the Twitter, the social media, this Brown's talk overall surrounding this draft has been just a little bit light, a little bit low this year. And I don't think that's just a Brown thing. I think that's a, an NFL, NFL-wide thing because it's usually the quarterbacks are the ones that build the most buzz. There's not a quarterback to get excited. And that's not saying one of these dudes turn out to be good um, because I'm sure there, there will be someone that plays well. But, it, yeah, it's, it's hard to get the massive excitement going. I think there was just so much uncertainty this year. And... There's no real studs. There's no Jamal Chase. Jamal Chase was in this draft. We'd be talking, hey, he's number one pick. Move on. And the irony is it's in Las Vegas. So, you know, Sin City, the capital of entertainment and fun, has a draft right now that's just kind of smelling up a little bit of a stink burger. But, you know, as we all know, the Browns, they they emptied the cupboard in terms of first round draft picks. So it may be a couple of years before all of our Browns draft first round Twitter uh, people can come back because it's going to be, I think until about what, 2024, I think the next 2025, I think the next time the Browns have a first round draft pick barring some sort of a trade. So it's taken a little bit of gas, you know, out of the tank, but the Browns still do have a pretty decent pick at pick 44. You know, anytime we talk often about draft capital, draft capital and stuff, let me try this again draft capital we talk about a top 50 pick right so the browns have one top 50 pick two top 100 picks now ironically enough there's still a lot of free agents out there and i think you know as you and i were talking there's one kind of name that's out there i don't want to write him in pen 
but he's in some pretty thick pencil, and I don't think we're going to need the eraser. Jadavian Clowney, Jack, your thoughts? Yeah, I think Clowney for me just feels like a lock to be on the roster. Um, I think it's just a case of when rather than if. Um, it, yeah, he, he, he's going to be a Cleveland Brown. I, I've given up the sort of will he, won't he. I've just gone, yeah, he is. On to the next one. Now, Jack, do you think that's because more of he really liked Cleveland or that free agent market wasn't as kind to Mr. Clowney as he kind of thought it would be? Yeah, I, I think it must have really, really sucked for him. Um, I'm surprised how bad it was almost because I felt like he would have a good market. Um, not an outstanding market. It wasn't going to compete with Von Miller and Chandler Jones, but I, th- I thought there would be more interest in a, uh, a pretty decent edge. But the irony is, you know, we talk about Von Miller. You talk about some of these guys. You're talking about some older players, right? I mean, even Bobby Wagner got a little bit of a payday. I'm not saying Jadavian Clowney has had the consistency that, you know, Vaughn Miller or one of these guys have, but I definitely thought that I, you know, I think at the beginning of free agency, I think I put it at like a 20% chance that he was going to come back to the Browns just because I didn't think that they were going to want to allocate the money, so to say to him. But in the same sense, when the market started getting dry and then they go out and get Deshaun Watson, well, now all of a sudden it shifts and focuses because we know that Deshaun Watson, we know that him and Jadavian Clowney have an off-the-field relationship. So I'm sure that plays a part, and Clowney knows, hey, I got this guy over here, Batman, that's going to make me look good for another year. But, yeah, to your point, I mean, Khalil Mack obviously was acquired via trade in the market. Demarcus Lawrence got you know his deal. But outside of that, the really Chandler Jones with the Raiders, I think, signed for people less than people thought he would do. Uh, and this is a guy that's just been consistent the last few years. So, yeah, I think Jadavian Clowney, Trey Flowers is another guy that's out there. Jerry Hughes, your, you know, wheelchair access ramp guy still out there. You know, he hasn't signed anything. Melvin so Ingram. And Melvin Ingram, and he just keep getting older. But so. I, we spoke about it as soon as the uh, Clowney deal went down, suddenly that, not Clowney, the Watson deal went down. It made bringing back someone like Jadavian Clowney much more likely realistic because suddenly that Carl Loftus at 13 or someone else there wasn't in play or even a, hey, you get the wide receiver at 13, Jameson Williams, and then you, you definitely take in a edge at 44. It, it, it's harder. Um, and that's why it just felt like once that trade went down, hey, we need to spend a little bit more on edge than we'd like. And as well, if, if you had Baker at quarterback, you weren't really going all in for the fifth year of Baker Mayfield, you were like, Hey, it doesn't matter if we lose a bit because we're trying to get the first, uh, the first overall pick and within range of trading up for one of these quarterbacks in the 2023 draft. Yeah. And I think the, the dynamics of the team changed and, you know, I, I admire, there's a lot of people out there that spend a lot of time putting together, you know, the guardrails and stuff for the draft, you know, but we talk about, veterans we talk about guys that have been proven in the nfl that can come in and help you win right away with the idea of it's great to have miles garrett because you have a right we talk about this at all positions you have denzel ward that's an a well the point is as much like we talked about that denzel ward contract is you have greg newsom developing under denzel ward we talk about the sequencing of contracts and these are just more things that prove how right we are most of the time but 
in terms of the defensive line and in the wide receiver position, these are the two areas. And by the way, if you're interested, Odell Beckham's house in Columbia station is available for a measly $3.3 million. And if you have seen a bigger shoe closet in your life, I still would love to see it. Um, and also I have to do a little digging into his water filtration system. Cause that was quite interesting. I'm not, I'm a, I'm a filter guy, but I'm not a hundred percent sure I've ever seen whatever the hell he has. So this leads us Jack into draft day. I think on day one, you can get to bed early. I don't see the Browns other than maybe being in a highlight reel or talking about Deshaun Watson. I don't think you're going to hear the Cleveland Browns name pop up anywhere between picks one and 32. This is just the capital will be required to get into that. Baker Mayfield's not going for a first round pick. So day two and rolls around. Just on the trading with Baker Mayfield. It's not that common for mid draft for players to get traded as well, because they've probably got to go through the rigmarole of potentially eating some of Baker's salary and everything that goes with that. It's messy. Um, and that's not something you're doing as the clock's rolling by. So um, yeah, that, that would be one where to your point, Jack, all that information's done. And then yeah. if X, Y, Z guy is on the board at that moment, then you have all the framework in place to say, Hey, Jimmy Joe's on the board. We're doing this Baker thing. And it goes like that. So I see that as being the only one, but it's not going to happen on day one. There's one pick that I'm really interested to see what happens with it in the first round. Do you want to guess what that pick is? Ian? The Jags? No. <laughs> I mean, I don't think they're getting an elite player, but the Jags is an interesting one to me. And then the Lions is another one that I'm kind of just like, it's, hmm, it's not, that? it's not, neither of the picks that is going to be the most intriguing for me on day one. What defensive lineman the Baltimore Ravens draft? No, it's, it's, it's going to be what the Vikings do. Um, oh, and that's going to be yeah. really, really interesting because, hey, it, it's highly likely that the draft board the Browns use, it's a data-led, looking at age, looking at athleticism. The first proper analytics GM in the NFL is Quasi. Um, and th that might give us an insight into some more Browns data points. But as much as he was under Barry, he was also under John Lynch. So you never know. There could be a little bit there. Uh, but yeah, I, I think they pick late teens, right? I think they got like the 12th or 14th. I think they're one spot from us. Oh, they're right by us. Well, there you go. Then you're going to find out. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But I think, you know, much like last year, we were talking a little bit about this in the prep. Going into day two, the one thing teams love is that clock expires on pick 32 and you regroup, right? Now the Browns, I just, this is just a hunch. The Browns are going to be preparing for day two from the start. So all their scouting and stuff, they're not going to be too focused on what goes on in round one, really focused on round two. So once that clock expires on the 32, the Browns will likely have, you know, probably four to five guys circled that says, okay, these are who we want. And, you know, we were talking a little bit before the show, Jack, what do you think the percentage chances are that the Browns select a pick at number 44. So I think I said there's a 75% chance. I, I just because, hey, that's their pick. And does the right guy slide to them to trade up? And when we're talking about trade up, we're talking about four to five spots up. We're not talking anywhere. Usually in the draft, the number one pick that people try to trade for is pick 33 because it, they have a whole 20 odd hours of sleeping on it and thinking, oh, I want this pick. And the team rarely trains it. Um, I, I think there's a chance they go down. And 
especially if there is the perceived run that is going to happen on wide receiver. I feel trading down is very likely. We traded down from a similar spot two years ago. We went down three places for the Indianapolis Colts, and then we gained pick 160. But, as we discussed pre-show, the draft stinks of it. Do teams actually want to trade up? That is going to be the, the really interesting thing to follow. Yeah, one of the things I talked about is I feel like there's decent talent at the top half of position groups, and then it gets mediocre and kind of vanilla, I'll say after that. You know, we've obviously chatted a little bit in our group chats uh, with some of the other guys, and I've talked a little bit about how I just think there's certain hype on certain players. It's mainly driven by social media that's not necessarily football-driven. And, you know, there was even a tweet that came out today that I think one team said they only had 15 first round graded players. And that completely makes sense to me because if a team doesn't value X, Y, and Z positions as first round picks, mainly running backs, defensive tackles, whatever it is, then they may say, we're not taking a deep tackle or running back or a tight end in the first round. You know, maybe they don't have any of the quarterbacks. Well, if their only first round positions are cornerback, uh, defensive end, and wide receiver well they may only have 15 guys that's not complete you know a lot of times people look and say oh well you know is lewis sign a a first round pick well some teams may look and say i don't need that safety so he's not a first round pick for me so that's completely within the realm of possibility but coming into 44 i think it's actually i had it the other way you had a 70 percent chance likely that they were going to pick at that i had it at about a 30 percent chance that they were going to pick at that because i think much like we were talking about just now it's that clock expires on pick 32. We're rolling into those first few picks. And if you remember, right, go back to the conversations that Andrew Barry had last year with Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. We didn't think he was realistically going to fall, but then all of a sudden, I think it was Paul D. Podesta and him both said it when pick 38 or 39, one of those late round picks or one of those late thirties picks goes, and he was still on the board. They said, Oh, team X or whoever that team was passed on him. And they then knew the next most likely spot. And this is when you talk about Quessy, Quessy talking about how do we get seventh round compensatory picks in 2026? They know what players on what team's board. So they circled it and said, if we want this guy, we have to get in front of this pick. And they called two spots ahead of that pick. And that team said, no. And then they called that team that they ended up trading with at 50 or 51 and said, would you like to do the deal? They said, yes, they get Jeremiah Lusukomo. I think the same thing may be true where the end of the first round expires and there's four or five guys that are circled. If that player falls to say, you know, we're 44 now. And I think you did the math, Jack, or you got it from somewhere that 44 and 99 gets you about 36. It was just sort of this idea that if you were going to trade up there and aggressively, then what you probably do is either 99 or 118, you give up two and then you get two picks back. So you might go, hey, we're going to give up. We're going to go up five spots. So we're going to give up 44 and we'll you give us 39. And to balance that out, we'll give you 118 and you give us back 150. And that might yeah. seem quite a big fall there, but the value of five spots in the second round are worth a lot more than... Value four, of 20 spots in the fifth. Yeah, 20, 30 spots in the fifth zone. So. Yeah. So, and I think that's the way the Browns are going to operate. And if the four or five guys that they have circled aren't there, then I think they're going to dump back from 44 because it's kind of odd. Look at these draft boards, Jack. 44 is kind of a dead spot. It's like after pick 35, we get a little gubbly, gushy, gushy. There's like 35 to 55. It's kind of a preference. You know, it's a dealer's choice. So that's why 
if if there's a belief that they have the calculations that if a certain player gets past, say, pick 35, he's not going again to 48 and they're in the sweet spot. That's, I think, where you're talking the 30 percent range where they're going to pick. Otherwise, I think Andrew Barry is going to do what he can to secure draft capital, draft capital in the 2023 draft. I mean, there is a very good chance. I think that somebody calls and says, we'll give you a future second if you move from the second to the third. And Andrew Barry goes, yep, absolutely. Come on up. Take it. I want that pick next year, right? Because we talk about, you know, pushing these assets in. But let's, for example, just say the Browns are going to draft in the top 50. So we're going to take, you know, a standard deviation of plus five and minus five. So if the Browns pick anywhere between, say, pick 39 and pick 50, I think you and I both are in agreement that it's going to be likely either a defensive end or a wide receiver, you know, in the unlikely scenario that one of their first round graded players falls all the way at those two positions. I think they come up. If they're not there, they go back. So we'll talk about a few guys in that range, but defensive end, I think we're in agreement, Jack. Defensive edge and wide receiver, probably 80 to 90% chance that that position is what comes first. And if you want a wide receiver, that's why jumping up four spots makes sense because you start looking at some of these guys that are picking there. They could all grab wide receivers. It's um, We'll just go up from the Browns. You've got Atlanta Falcons. If they don't take Garrett Wilson or someone there in the first, that could certainly be in play there. Indianapolis Colts could certainly take a wide receiver. Seattle, with one of their two picks, could add a wide receiver, especially if they're Rumors are true that DK could be on the move. Chicago Bears could, Jets could. You could see this massive run on them and it could be really grim. Yeah, and and I think we know that the Browns need to add talent at that room. Um, I know there's been a lot of speculation about free agents, which would make sense. But again, even if they acquire a Tyler Lockett or somebody like that, I still think they need to draft somebody at one of these two positions to develop under these vets. We talk about it with Clowney. We talk about the wide receivers. They need to do what they're doing with Garrett or with having somebody under Garrett, like they're doing with Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom. So I know there's a fan favorite out there, George Pickens, um, which a lot of people at 44 have talked about. And then of course this is the week of the draft. And now he's the biggest asshole in the world. He doesn't interview. Well, three teams say he's a jerk, which means he's probably going to go in the first round because that's what you want to do. You want to build the steam in the opposite direction of what your team is going. But before we get into a couple names, Jack, you had an outlier. So if we're talking about 90% at one of those two positions, that means there's a 10% chance left. And I think you have a couple positions that you want to split that 10% up again. Yeah. So DT is just an option just because the room is so poor. Not that I think we take one, but Hey, these things happen. The other thing is corner corners always been in play this off season um, through the draft um, because greedy and Troy Hill aren't on contract. We did have two guys under contract. Denzel Ward's been extended. We've now got three guys under contract. So um, they need another corner. And um, yeah, do it. I think one of the odd parts about both of those position groups that you talk about, and mine is actually an outlier from that is, you know, when you look at the cornerback position, I think in years past, sometimes you'll have five, six, seven corners go in that first round, right? There's a ton of guys. And I think this year, outside of Stingley and Sauce Gardner, you know, and maybe the guy from Washington, uh, Trent McDuffie, he may fall into that first um, round. Outside Elam of those three. The, but see, if you're talking about if I have to bet my house on it and I'm picking three guys, I think we say Sauce, Stingley, and McDuffie are really okay. McDuffie. 100%. Those are the ones we know are going third or first round. The other ones, they could fall. You never know. I mean, to be fair, you know, Kyer Elam, 
uh, maybe somebody might like him. I mean, heck, Damon Arnett went to the Raiders in the top 20. So anything is possible. But we're talking, let's just say three at most four guys. And then we talk about defensive tackle. I don't even know if there's one that their consensus, like this guy is a must go, you know, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, the two Georgia guys, people say, you know, could be first, they could slide second. So you have these two combined positions with maybe three max four bookmark first round picks. So much to your point, Jack, if, if that 10% is, you know, they really love Jordan Davis. So they really love Devontae Wyatt or maybe Andrew Booth, you know, falls a little bit and they're like, I can't not like this guy. I think that is your, your scenario, but I think the scenario that could see it is another, another position that depth in the draft isn't great. And that's safety. You know, Kyle Hamilton, I think is a rubber. You can stamp that in as much permanent mark as you want. He is the first safety off the board, likely off the board in the first few picks. You're, you're not going to have, your name is Kyle Hamilton. You're, party in the green room is going to be relatively short in Vegas. You're going to be at the club sooner than most because outside of a few edges, I think you're going to be the first guy in the secondary to go. Dax Hill oh, is the other guy. Source Gardner at four to the Jets and then it will be uh, Hamilton. So the, I think a corner goes. We'll see who it is. Oh, it's Source Gardner number four. So, well, hey, props to a UC guy. But Dax Hill, I think, is the only other guy in the safety room that I think you can pretty much – yeah, maybe not Sharpie, but maybe pen, maybe a gel ink pen, put him there in the first round. Um, who knows? I think whatever team loves him, he fits pretty much all your age guardrails. He pitched all, you know, a team's looking at it and go, here's a 21, 22 year old safety that can fly around the ball. Even though he didn't do too much at Michigan, I got to get that jab in there. Outside of that, there's a nice little crop of safeties a, there. In the a lot of line. hype on Lewis scene. Yeah. Scene, but, but his hype has been intelligence. A lot of people have said he ran that four, three, seven, but they're like, oh, he's an insanely smart football guy, but he's a type of guy that you're looking at going, How? he's the JOK type, right? Well, maybe, maybe he plays a certain type of safety role, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I think safety is that, that second to me would be a distant third outside of edge and wide receiver where they could look at going, whether it's, you know, seen from Georgia, whether it's Petre from Baylor, possibly even the kid out of Penn state, you know, Brisker, you know, he's a little bit older, but no, again, no, yeah, I, again, I could see this is the one year we may have a couple more outliers. And I'm listen, I'm not saying that we're not leaving the bread and butter of Andrew Berry and all this, and those may be the guardrails, but they may have a first round grade on Brisker because of a guy they know. And they're like, man, I really like this guy. I think he really fits into our system. The fact that he's 23, I don't think is going to keep them from drafting him this year, provided there's not some other red flags. So uh, I think that's certainly fair. Um, that covers the outliers. Let's talk about pick 44. You want to talk, you, we all know, Jack, I think you're team wide receiver, right? You had done a couple metrics regarding pick 44 with the wide receiver you want to share. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about wide receivers and I'll talk a little bit about the edges. Cause we all know that Ian is team edge and Jack probably is team wide receiver. Yeah. Anyone that's listened to the podcast over the last couple of years knows offense matters more than defense, just the way the NFL is um, offense wins. Um, and Hey, Who's the best friend to any quarterback in the league? It's the person who he's throwing the ball to. Um, even more important than the line blocking in front of him. Um, and we've got a pretty awesome line, so add to them weapons. And depth is everything. We saw it last year. It was embarrassing when there's no OBJ and then Landry wasn't quite there. It was, uh, it was abysmal. So George Pickens is the comfortable favourite here, matches the age and the athleticism guardrails. 
allegedly he is an absolute douche. Um, so it's one to keep an eye on. Um, Sky Moore is then the other one that fits the age guard rails. Um, I'm still pretty confident on the age guard rails. I've still got my half a year wiggle room, um, which I think we will see more wiggle room players than I don't think we'll jump to the 23 week one. I think we'll see more guys in that 25, uh, 22 and a half to 23 range than we have in the past because Jordan Elliott's the only one that's gone into an outlier in the first two days of the draft at 22.7. And that's probably because of his elite pass rushing grades coming out. Um, that didn't translate, but it was worth a gamble. What about, and you know, Owen and I have talked a little bit about this. Jahan Dotson did not test great. You know, he, his RAS was a little bit lower, even though if you watch him play, you think, man, this guy's still a pretty damn good football player. Do you think he's the type of wide receiver just given build speed abilities that if he's there late 39, 40, 41, is that a possibility? Do you think like within his, cause he's a touch older. I think he's a little over 22, right? So is he kind of your stretch that you're talking about? So he's, yeah, he's in the outlier for height and he, uh, the, out, sorry, outlier for age and outlier for athleticism. Um, so he, he's certainly within the okay range. Um, he's, he's someone they can go up for. Um, I, I think you've got those. There's eight guys. I think we're talking about here. Um, if, if we get to the stage where eight wide receivers are off the board by the time it comes to pick 44, or they haven't managed to trade up. I just can't see it. So you've got some of these guys are going high in the first. I'm just going to go through them all. Drake London, James Williams, Garrett, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, all gone. Forget them. Then Traylon Burks, George Pickens, Sky Moore, Jahan Dobson. They're the ones. Obviously, Christian Watson could go. I don't think he's really even in their range, even though he came in for a workout. And um, the other guy is John Mechie, but um, I'm not a fan. So we talked a little bit about Dotson. I want to, I want to bring up one of the guys you just talked about. Ironically enough, I don't know if many people know this, but there was a very strong stretch for wide receivers between March of 2000. So Traylon Burks born March 23rd, the year 2000 Jahan Dotson born March 22nd, the year 2000. So those two guys are actually only born one day apart. A little irony for you. Traylon Burks six, foot two 225 pounds very competitive in the sec right not the greatest route runner but for some reason every time i watch this guy with the ball in his hands in arkansas he was out running people he was out and tested like a slug could he be a guy that you know drops and it's possible right i think some teams have consensus first round grades on him i think he fits the size profile that they're saying you know we want that larger sturdy frame um Bryles at Arkansas runs kind of a featured offense that would I think translate halfway decent to getting Traylon Burks the ability to show what he can do he's one of the guys I'll keep an eye on I don't know if I love him for the Browns but if he's there at 44 I, I can't say I'd kill him for it he I like him. I don't love him. I like Dotson better. Obviously he's one day older, which makes him far superior, but Dotson, I just think does a little bit more, but I'm in that bubble. So for example, if you give me the option and say, Hey Ian, either Dotson or Traylon Burks is on the board. 
versus in those edge rushers. We talk about those Buffalo guys. I'm not taking the guy from Minnesota, Boya Mafe, or I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not on board with him. But if you give me like this Drake Jackson guy or Benito, or I'm sorry, I'd rather probably have Traylon Burks or Jahan Dotson over one of those guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping for the Benito slide. I'd love a Benito slide to 78. He's going to slide right into our AFC North competitors when he's playing outside linebacker for the uh, Steelers or the Ravens, just so you know. He won't be playing defensive edge for us. He'll be playing on the outside linebacker, rushing from that 3-4 spot. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's just a couple guys. Pickens is an interesting one for me because I, I, I'll say this out loud. I said it privately. I watched that guy, and I cannot get Muhammad Massaquah out of my mind. And now, obviously, Muhammad Massaquah, after his football career, has had some medical stuff. And I, I've met Muhammad one time. He's a super nice guy. And it's very unfortunate to hear like all the stuff he's gone, got going on medically off the field. But when you watched him play at Georgia, you just saw a player that you're like, wow, this guy could be really good or he could be really. Well, Masqua turned out in the NFL to be really. And here we are with George Pickens. I watched several games on him just because all of you guys tweet about him. And I'll see a couple plays a game. And I'm telling you right now, you can make some YouTube serious highlights for this dude, but you can also make some YouTube serious moments. And I just don't see a guy that brings that competitive fire. Like, you know, I know you think Landry is a slug, but the one thing you can never take away from Jarvis Landry is he battles his ass off every single play. He may not be the fastest guy, you know, but he is a fighter. He is a tough son of a bitch. And I go back and watch Pickens and I just see a guy that there's certain plays. He wants to fairy tap around and he's real light on his feet and he doesn't want to engage, you know, and Georgia's supposed to be this big physical, tough football team. You know, we're banging running backs. we got these defense that are just going around crushing people. I mean, hell half their defense is going to be first round picks. I don't get out of that guy's tape that he is just a grab you by the nuts and let's get out there and beat the hell out of somebody. That's my issue with Pickens. I just, I don't, I see a guy that yes, can make some great contested catches. I just don't see a guy that has the dog in him. So to say, you know, to use the D-A-W-G, I just don't see it in him. Sky Moore has a little bit. He's a tough, but every time I turn on Western Michigan, this guy's not tearing off the, you know, tearing the cover off the ball. That's why these second round guys, I'm like, maybe it's 78. You know, you can maybe talk me into somebody like that. Maybe, uh, you know, a Christian Watson or something like that, who somehow went from seventh round to third round just by playing at North Dakota state. But that's my issue with wideout is I just don't love any of these guys. So let's jump over to edge. Ah. I want to start with one guy. If he's there and I don't think he's going to be there, but if he is there, do you take David Ajabo first? Yes, absolutely. And not because of his Scottish roots. Um, so Ajabo to me, he's young. I mean, was he, I think he's 21. He'll be 22 if I'm not mistaken. He's, he's in the outlier range. So, yeah. but I, he's in the yellow, right? Yeah. But you're talking about a guy six foot four, 250 pounds. So he's a little light in terms of what the Browns typically do with that edge on that other side. But at this case, we're not talking about, cause we're just going to assume for this conversation that Jadavian Clowney is back in the orange yeah. and brown next year. So whoever we're drafting at this point is edge three. Right. So we're talking about a guy who, in my opinion, he's only really started at Michigan, much like Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson. He's only had one successful year at Michigan. This is a guy who, to me, is a great developing prospect. I don't think he's reached his peak of understanding the position. And you got a super cerebral guy with Miles Garrett. 
you've got a good offense or good defensive line coach and Chris Kiffin to kind of teach this guy how to be a pass rusher. I think he just has a natural ability to him. And I think he's the type of guy that you could prey on in the second round to say, Hey, I'm going to bring this guy in with the expectation. He's going to contribute a little bit next year. I know he's coming off the injury towards the end of the year. I can develop him. I can get him in my nutrition program. I can get him to the playing weight I want. But I think if you take a Jabo, you're not going to judge him based on what he's going to perform in 2022. He's your young edge that's developing to come in post the Jadavian Clowney, likely one-year deal. So I think if you do take a Jabo, I think he's a guy you maybe get some reps if he comes off IR late in the year. But other than that, he's a guy I really pencil in for, for 2023, just because I think you haven't just cracked the egg that is him yet in terms of getting the fruits of his labor. That's fair enough. Um, Drake Jackson is obviously the one that ticks the box with the age and athleticism. Um, yeah, anyone else? I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not a huge Drake Jackson guy. I know he ends up in everybody's mock draft. I, if anything, I think he's a pretty good looking guy. I mean, to me, he takes good pictures. I've seen his picture enough. Um, I just think that he, I don't want to say he plays light, but I don't see the, the all out, play with your pants, your, you know, your head on fire, your hair on fire, pants on fire, whatever you want to say. Um, I just don't see it with him. I just don't. I know he fits more of the guardrails in the sack. I think he's playing at like 270. Um, but I don't know. I just don't see it. I watch USC and I'm just, I'm, I'm really underwhelmed with him and Drake and Drake London. So maybe it's just me and the name Drake. I just don't like partly because I don't really like the rapper Drake, you know, fresh out of Aubrey Graham from, you know, the, the vaunted streets of Toronto, Canada. But yeah, I just, to me, if I'm looking at Drake Jackson, I'm looking over at wide receivers and seeing if there's anything better. And if not, maybe one of those safeties is on the board. Um, now, if you're talking Drake Jackson at 78, I'm a little bit more interested. I really am. And it's not because, you know, I think he could be a bad player, but I just think that, if you're looking for a guy to come in to be that edge three, I don't think he's your guy. I think he's your edge four, maybe in terms of that. So you're talking about a guy that you're again, looking for more developed. I think he's got a longer road than some of the other guys. Obviously my dream scenario is George Karloftis actually listens to all the Twitter people and he drops. I would gladly trade up into the thirties to get him. Um, he's a guy that I think steps in right away. But I'll throw a complete wild card out there. Tackle Tyler Smith. If they really like him and he's there, if they're not completely sold on Wills and they've got Conklin running out of contract next year, that mm. I, 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 it's, it's a proper outlier, but I think it's worth he's young enough. fans being aware of that. Here's the thing with Tyler Smith, and I think one of the absolute pluses that goes into this guy is – He's out of Tulsa, so you know he's never really been coached in his life. No offense to the Golden Hurricanes, but I'm sure the quality of coaching he was getting there versus the quality of coaching he's going to get in the NFL under Bill Callahan would be, you know, light years in difference. If this is a guy who you think has a higher upside than James Hudson, right? Because I think ultimately that's what you're doing is you're saying, we got Hubbard, we got that situation. But Tyler Smith is the guy where I'm saying, this is my raw, this is a giant block of clay, right? So if Callahan looks at it and says, man, this guy's got these arms that are miles long. He's got freak athleticism in terms of a lot of things. He just has absolutely no idea how to mentally play the position. I could see that. 
Browns fans likely are not going to like that though, because they're going to look at and go, why the hell are we drafting an offensive tackle from Tulsa? Right. That's, that's going to be the overall, but he's a guy. I think Jack adds a little validity. If that three or four guys that we had circled the beginning of the second round, isn't there. And at 44, you're like this and they dump back and they're now in like 55 range, 55, 56, somewhere in those, you know, mid to late fifties. I think Tyler Smith is a guy that they could look at and say, you're right. We could develop him behind, you know, because at the end of the day, we're going to find out if they pick up their fifth year option on Jed Wills. But in the same sense, if this is a guy where they come in and they like what they see, you can only see maybe two more years to Jed Wills. Because at the end of the day, we know this, they're upgrading every position, every year, every opportunity they get. Doesn't matter if you're good enough to unseat the person at that position, then it's going to happen. Conklin, Listen, you bring him in, you figure out what his skill sets are best in terms of left or right, and you let him go. So I think it's an absolute great mention. I think it's a great shout. But I think, for me, he's one of those trade back in the second round candidates. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there as someone. No, I, yeah. I, I sit there and I think, hey, we don't use the draft for need. If they think he is a genuinely first-round talent, which not a – this like they've only got 16 – players but he's a dude worthy of a top 32 pick this year and he's there and say there's been a runner wide receivers I think they could sit there and go let's do it because there's some edges that I quite like not to come in and start but if you've got Clowney that in that 99 118 range um there's a couple of dudes obviously Alex Wright is my guy um to my brother Alex if you're going to go a little older dude that interests me is Josh Pascal yeah, he, he fell a couple on a couple of my mocks, but I'm going to, before we jump into that kind of 78 range, I have a question for you. So it's pick 44, right? And our guy, Arnold Abukati, is I believe the proper name to pronounce his, uh, his last name. He's 23.26. So he, at the time of the first game, he just turned 23 for the record. Uh, this year. So by the time he plays his first snap, he'll be in the 23 range. This is a guy, 82, 82 inch arms, you know, in his career, Penn state has just, I think under 16 sacks, but we saw a little bit with Jason Owe last year, who now goes by a different name. And I forget what it is. I apologize to him and his family. This is a guy who's a twitchy edge. Three pass rusher is 23 too old. It's too old for me, but he's good. I want, I liked him. Until he fits the mold. He fits the mold, right? He's in that 6'3", 250. You probably can add a little bit to him. You know, I think Brugler's got him at the late. Yeah, I think Brugler's got him somewhere in the late first. But if he's a guy that kind of, sl- in terms of his interviews and stuff, this guy off the field, I guess, you know, is just stellar. Like, everybody loves him. James Franklin used to rave about him. I have a couple friends at Penn State, you know, that used to tell me all good things about him. So this is just a guy in terms of Ebuketi where if he's there, we may be kicking one of them guardrails and just saying, Hey, you know what? This guy doesn't have a ton of football in him. So maybe he's 23, but he's only got the miles on him. Like a 21 or 22 year old. It's possible. Anything's possible. As uh, Kevin Garnett said in the, uh, in the NBA finals, but to your point at 78 and 99, I think now you're getting into Pascal. I like only because I just think he has the best football yet ahead of him. I, would probably say I prefer him more at the 99 than I do at the 78. Oh, I've gotten both listed at 118. So, uh... oh, even there. So, yeah, um, I, I would just prefer him a little bit further later down. I still think your boy Benito is going to be rushing from the outside in a 3 4. 
Logan Hall is an interesting one. I know he's talked about a lot. This is a guy who obviously spent most of his college inside, uh, who's going to slide to the outside, 6'6", 283 pounds, so he fits that big edge. I just, I could see it if the Browns needed him more in that D-tackle role. I just think he kind of falls into that no-man's position. And with them not valuing that defensive tackle position all that high, I just think he maybe falls between the cracks. I just, I don't see Logan Hall being their guy. Um, you know, another one that people have talked a little bit about is the, uh, the Ohio kid. Um, I'm sorry, Western Kentucky kid. That's that D'Angelo Malone, 6'3", 240. People talk about him as kind of that edge three pass rusher type. I don't know. I don't really see it. Our boy, Alex Wright, uh, 6'5", 270, young, 99. Yeah, Jack, that's, that's where you're talking. If, if they go wide receiver early, I think the complimentary in that point is going to be at 78 or 99, which I'm again, not hundred percent sure. I even believe that they pick at both those spots. I think they're going to dance around the board a little bit. Yeah. So that's just a look at some of the guys at the top of the draft. Um, we'll, we'll come back. We'll do a podcast. Um, when Ian's up on Friday morning, looking at, Hey, top of yeah, I think- who's actually left. Yeah, well, I think, Jack, you're going to and shout out to all the people or I'm sorry, you should shout out to all the people what you're going to be doing for the OBR uh, for the draft day, because I think what we're yeah, what we're going to do is let's let all the dust settle on round one. And because, you know, and I think this year we kind of looked at it from the amount of content right now. There was just a content overload, in our opinion. And, you know, sorry, you haven't really heard much from, you know, Paul obviously was doing a lot of things and he's just a busy man. Uh, Jack obviously is trying to get off to a fast start with the boys over there at the OBR. And, you know, I've had a couple things where solving, you know, the, the daughters taking up a lot of time. So in terms of draft content and putting out, I'm not, I spent about a week looking at guys and I'm like, okay, this is a very middle saturated draft. There was not a lot of really hype building around it. And there was a lot of people putting out some great content. So I kind of just let that ride and said, you know what, this isn't one of those years that I'm just going to go Enzo Bezo and just balls to the wall in this. I'm familiar enough with the most of the guys to know who's probably going to fit. Who's not my guardrails are wider than Jack's in terms of the ages and stuff. I'm going to laugh whenever these 10 favorite guardrail players that everybody puts in their mock draft that tells you the greatest thing since sliced bread. None of them, none of them end up on the Browns. I also am looking forward to the time when the Browns draft people and people instantly go to the guardrails to find out how good of a fit they're going to be as opposed to the football. You know, we're going to talk about this. The Browns need to win now. People are saying all their Super Bowl odds are moving and all that stuff, yada, yada, yada. We're not going to go out and get Clowney. You're not going to go out and get Watson. You're not going to go out and get these guys and draft developing guys. You, the football aspect. So I know a lot of you guys don't watch as much college football and stuff like that, but don't necessarily judge the book by its cover in terms of the intangible stuff because the Browns now need players that can step on the field and perform. So if a guy's 22 and a half and he's a pretty damn good football player, they might take him over the 21 year old versus last year with Baker Mayfield. They're not going to do that. They're like, you know what we want to develop. It's a slow process this year. Don't judge the books by the cover in terms of who the Browns pick. Let's go. Let's find out if they can play football because you know, if all of a sudden there's some, who's the one linebacker I know that everybody's hyped in out of uh, Montana state. I think it's like Troy Anderson or something like that. He's 23 years old, but who knows? Maybe this guy's a missile and he's out there and he's playing some nickel safety. We're not Joe Woods. We don't know how these things are going to go. 
just trust that the people, if you like the coaches, you like all that stuff, just take with the reason they're being picked, learn a little bit about them. Don't snap judgment. Don't fire off tweets. Don't send out social media messages and all this other stuff right after a pick proclaiming, you know, who these people are. There's a reason they're being picked. This Browns team is a little bit different. Hey, some, some of us had a uh, wife's over wills. Just saying. Hey, Bill Callahan should listen to the podcast, bro. By the way, he said Werfs over Wills. So for because you mumbled a little bit there. So I don't think you could quite properly spike your football, but do remember that uh, Tristan Werfs is a right tackle. He's a right tackle. And he got beat in college in wrestling. So there you go. I'd say the same thing about Jedrick Wills. He's certainly in a left tackle. Yeah. He's got two two right feet like the Baker Mayfield statue. (laughs) So, but yeah, you know, in terms of the, I I set it up there and then I ran away with it. What are you doing draft coverage there, Jack? So I don't know yet whether I'll be on the Thursday night coverage. I might be dropping in, but probably all day Friday. Um, I'll be on the OBR live Twitch feed. So go and follow that. It's, it's free or something. I don't know how Twitch works, but I'm on it. So um, yeah, check my Twitter out. Jump on there. Um, before day three, I'll be re-releasing my big board with everyone deleted out of it who's already been picked. Um, so that's going to be coming out. And um yeah, I've got an article coming out on the cost of rookie picks. Another one looking at all the holes on the 2023 roster because there's something like 24 roster spots open as of today on that um, roster. And that's not guys who we might want to upgrade from. That's actual holes if there is nobody. So, um, yeah, loads of spaces for the Browns to add more players. Um, yeah. There's some great stuff coming out. Um, I'll be doing a guards rail recap, um, but go check out, go to my Twitter at Jack Duffin, D-U-F-F-I-N. And there's a pin tweet. And that is my um, guards rail draft board. Anyone I would say who are a tick or a line on age is fine. Anyone that has red X, I would say bin that off. So I think we're going to see more yellow picks, um, which are just the okay outliers than in the past where literally everyone was green. Yeah, it's definitely possible. And I think to your point, Jack, I think we let the dust settle Thursday night. I think we regroup Friday morning. Um, You know, hopefully the little one lets me sleep that night so I can be fresh minded. And we just talk about some scenarios because I think, you know, going into that day two, I think is when the Browns really can make some magic happen. Three picks, obviously in day two, Um, one at the beginning, so to say at 44 and one towards the end. And I still think Jack, to your point, I think there's still a lot of free agents that the Browns are going to just pick and choose off that scrap pile. You know, we talk about these named veterans that you've heard of, that you know of, that I think they're going to come here. And, you know, obviously I'm I still not a giant fan of the Deshaun Watson trade, but I have to be a realist in terms of it does open the possibility that players are going to want to come to Cleveland. It really is. So in terms of free agency, you know, it's one of those things where Deshaun was it Deshaun Jackson? I think they were tweeting back and forth where Watson wrote on his Instagram and said, Hey, why don't you come to you're gonna you'd look good in the brown and orange? That's a realistic possibility that you start picking out guys that are gonna come in here and fill specific roles. So that's why I think in terms of the draft strategy, we may see some differences. Now I still think that Paul and Andrew and those guys are gonna stick to their process. They're not gonna go completely outside of the guardrails. But it could be maybe we focus on the day two picks being football guys. And then day three is all development. You know, those are the guys that really just check every box and we get this tight end and this D tackle and this offensive lineman or center or guard. You know, that's what they end up doing in day three. 
So it, it, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, I think anytime Andrew Barry drafts and he gives you a subset of seven to eight or nine more data points, it just makes the picture a little bit more clear. You know, it's kind of like in, in life, we upgraded from like a one megapixel camera to now we have like a 60 megapixel camera. So nowadays, I think every year that they draft, I think that that megapixel goes up a little bit more and we just get a little bit more of a clear picture and what he's doing. Because I think right now, Jack, if somebody was doing what you, you've you been doing, you know, the guys over at the OBR have been doing for the 20 years that the guy's been drafting from the Steelers, it seems like you never notice in mock drafts, like the Ravens, the Steelers are certain teams where they just nail every pick. They're like, oh, yep, that's the guy they're taking. And oh my God, look, that guy's there at that pick. And that's the one they took. I mean, it's like, they know. these guys have put the blueprint out for years. So people know, but you made a point earlier about Questy in terms of the uh, Vikings pick. So bookie Brooks released his mock, his final mock. And at the uh, Vikings pick, they take Jamison Williams, the, uh, the former Ohio state wide receiver who couldn't quite make the team. It would have been my guy. James, uh, I hate, we were sat here. It was for me, it was Jamison Williams, a wide receiver. It was Carl Loftus edge. And that was it. That was my board. The fact that you just disrespect Garrett Wilson like that. Just, just. Yeah, he's pensionable age. It's all right. So in, in more interesting news, I'm a little upset that we haven't been able to secure the two UK uh, OnlyFans uh, girls, one the Chelsea and one the Manchester United. We haven't been able to get them on the podcast. So this is my public call out to Paul Brown. You need to secure these sports hooligans uh, to find out. Can we make them Browns fans? You know, we already we already have some you know, some people in the OnlyFans world that are huge Browns fans, I think it's time to diversify and really add that UK audience. Chelsea, I mean, Chelsea, right, Jack? I mean, you, you'll take as many Chelsea fans as you can, right? Taking over the world, mate. Taking especially, over the world. When they, especially when they get into scraps in British nightclubs. So, so as always, all right. I think we covered a lot of stuff there. Hopefully we find Paul and get him out from underneath the rock, get him back on the show. We've been saying we're going to schedule a space for a mile and a half in terms of time and haven't done it yet. So we'll get Paul on one of these days. Uh, but outside of that, Jack, I got nothing else. So De- deal got launched today. So you've only got a few days. I think it ends at the start of the draft, 60% off the OBR. Um, Barry McBride's gone nuts and he is just throwing away um, opportunities to make money. So he is giving you that 60% off. Go to the OBR Twitter. That's there. Jump on it and um, why not? Somebody's got to pay Jack so Jack can pay us. So there you go. That's why we're always losing. All right, everyone. Enjoy the draft. Go Browns.